Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. 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 Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. 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 Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Once again, one of the best in the business, uh, Jacob Turner, Moment Private Wealth, and has been on the podcast before. And Jacob, you were so good and so thoughtful and so uh, informative and entertaining, all of the above, all the things that we asked before, and now you have to be our go-to guy. So I appreciate you coming back. Well, I appreciate you having me, Rob. So um, I don't know if you know, Shohei Itani, his son, a big deal. So at at was it 302 was it on Saturday, I've been asking people this. When, where were you, or when did you, what was your reaction? Where were you when you found out about this deal? Because there's two things, right, Jacob, there. there there's the, oh, he's going to that team, and then there's, oh, there's $700 million. Where were you? What was your reaction? Um, yeah, where were you? What was your re- reaction to it? Well, one of my brothers texted me a tweet by Joe Papiano that he had put out that he signed for $700 million. And I think, to nobody's surprise, he signed with the Dodgers. They have been kind of the quasi-frontrunner the whole time. But seeing that number, $700 million, was that is mind-blowing. And obviously, we've seen the deal structure and how it's come out. Maybe it's a little bit less mind-blowing with how the structure of the contract is. But really, I think, awesome for players in general to be able to see just the amount of growth in terms of, like, that level of contract value for a guy. Mm. Well, so, so the third part of 
what was your reaction, was a few days later, when the, the details of the contract starts to trickle out, and, and we see how much, because it was, you see the same quote, unprecedented deferrals, and, and, and that can mean anything, right? But then we see $2 million a year for the first 10 years, and, and, and then, you know, all the deferrals after that. Uh, before we dig into the, the nitty-gritty of it, what was your first thought about that? I was surprised. I, look, much to your point, when they say unprecedented, you, you often think that's just a clickbait thing that, you know, it could be half the contract or it could be a Bobby Bonilla-type deal. But to see 68 of roughly $70 million, which has been reported as the deferral amount, is pretty striking, especially given that technically there's no interest on it, so the net present value of the contract is hundreds of millions of dollars lower than the $700 million that's reported. But, you know, frankly, it makes a ton of sense, given that Otani is – one, has made a lot of money already. Two, he's making more money off the field than any player in Major League Baseball. And three, he's made it really clear that he wants to win, and I don't think that's him pandering to the media. Look, he's a baseball player through and through. Everything I've ever heard about Shohei as a baseball player is he's focused on one thing, and that's winning baseball games and being a really great baseball player. You know what? I cited at the day after, I think, there was a lot of great, I, more so that I think that you know, the whole conversation about breaking stories and the misinformation it was one thing, but I thought there was a lot of great analysis and reaction after it. To be perfectly honest with you, and even before we get we sort of get the details, I thought you had a really really great tweet, a sort of breaking it all down. So I guess what I would ask is, from your perspective. If you can, just sort of from your, just make us make us understand the the bullet points and the importance of each facet of why this deal was done. Well, look, I mean, he's arguably a top five hitter and a top five pitcher in the league, which is an unprecedented thing. I think it's almost hard for fans to grasp how hard it is to do what he's been able to do over the past couple of years. I know. And from a player's perspective, I think about myself as a pitcher, um, and I didn't have near the success he had and the amount of work that it takes just to compete at that level. And he's doing it on both sides of it. And then to see him get paid like he's doing it on both sides of it, I think was really cool. But like you mentioned, Rob, one of the things I put out was just, it was numbers kind of contextualizing how much $700 million is. And one of the numbers that I come across from another uh, tweet was that the Rockies owner, at least at the time of reporting, was worth about $700 million. <laughs> and he just signed a contract for $700 million. And obviously there's deferrals and taxes and all that stuff. He won't end up with $700 million in his bank account on day one. But it is striking to conceptualize how much money that is for the Dodgers to pay a single player. Well, and, and then you go on to the in some of these numbers, some of these facts were the one the, the the most jarring for me, which was the federal and state taxes, the agents cut of it. Um, so, if you could talk a little bit about that, of like putting that in perspective. Yeah, look, I mean, the majority of agents in Major League Baseball are taking somewhere between three to five percent. A lot of the top groups, the bigger groups, are taking five percent. And when you look at those numbers, you're talking 30-plus million dollars uh, going to the agent. And, you know, people can say, well, how much time did he spend on that deal? And I think what people miss in that, and I know they missed it even for me in, in much smaller deals that I signed, was there is so much 
that goes on behind the scenes that you really need to have somebody in your corner. And obviously, CAA did a phenomenal job in order to get him to be able to sign this deal between negotiating with teams. And the other thing that I'll say that was really unique about this contract, and I'm sure you can speak to this from the years you've been in this business, to not have any leaks come out mm. about what the number is going to be. I mean, the only leak that came out was Dave Roberts essentially saying, we met with Shohei Otani. <laughs> and that was that was like big news. Like, oh, is he not going to sign? Because Dave Roberts told the truth that they had a meeting with the guy. Obviously, they met with the guy. But I think that, that speaks more volumes to, to the group that he had working behind the scenes with him to really – Ultimately, you know, an agent, anybody on the player's team is working for them. And obviously for Shohei, it seemed very clear that he wanted this to be a private matter. And for them to go to, I'm sure, the lengths that they had to go to to make sure that it stayed that way is pretty incredible. It, it absolutely is incredible. I mean, it was an incredible scenario in so many ways, uh, all the way up until the last minute. And it keeps coming out. I mean, just uh, a few minutes ago I saw that Otani has had the best-selling shirt uh, in the first 48 hours passing messy. Um, it, it's just going to keep coming. So to go back to the taxes, can you make us understand that part of it? Because you know, we, we hear a lot about players not signing in certain states because of taxes or, or millionaire tax, or and obviously this is in California. So can, if you can, just sort of explain how the taxes come into effect here. Yeah, so for baseball players, the way that they get taxed is on the salary that they earn on the field, that's not titled as bonus money. That's coming from the team. They're going to get taxed, obviously, at the federal level, which the highest rate is 37%. Um, the majority of his money will get taxed at 37%. He'll fill up the, the buckets below that. But, you know, when you're making arguably $70 million in a year, you're going to be taxed mostly at the highest rate. And then the second piece of that is the state income piece. Obviously, the Dodgers play in California. California has the highest state tax of all 50 states. And he won't pay California state tax um, on every dollar if he's not a resident of California because they'll play in other states. But let's say he is a resident of California, then he would basically gross up every dollar that he pays in another state up to California state tax limit. So between agent fees and taxes, he... He hypothetically could be paying more than 50% of the money out the door uh, before it ever hits his bank account. Wow. Well, for you, you know, we talk about taxes, we talk about agents, we talk about, you know, all of it. For you, when you get the particulars of it, as someone who is is so, so good and has such an expertise in this, this field... Like what what impressed you the most about the construct of it? Because I think that I saw something today that there was a model off of um, one of the soccer franchises that they had done something like this. Um, but in baseball, we certainly haven't seen anything like this. What was the thing that impressed you the most in terms of the way of thinking about how they approached this deal? Look, I think... Athletes in general have this amazing blessing of earning outrageous sums of money because they are elite talents, right? They're in the point zero zero one percent of people that can do what they're able to do. The reality is Joe Hayson will still make $2 million per year for the next 10 years before he makes the $68 million. That sounds like it's deferred. And I think the thing to think about there is from just a, a real-life perspective, he's going to be able to live an amazing life, plus he's going to have his off-the-field money. And the reality is... These guys want to win. The paycheck is great, but the paycheck only goes so far. And I've been on those teams where you get to August and you get to September, 
and there's no chance of making the playoffs, and it is truly the dog days of summer. And, yeah, you're getting paid good money every two weeks for the job that you're doing, but going to the field every day is not near as exciting when the Dodgers, who are going to be in a playoff race arguably every single year, most likely for the next decade while he's there. So I just look at it as a, it's, it's a win-win for everybody in my mind because the Dodgers are now going to have some additional flexibility. Shohei gets the big number. You know, the agency gets to do the job that they're meant to do, which is get him paid what his value is. The Dodgers get the player they want. They still have financial flexibility. It feels like a win-win all the way around. And certainly you could look at it and say, well, maybe they shouldn't have deferred so much money. But the reality is, ultimately, the part that stands out to me is, it sounds like Shohei had a very clear expectation of what he wanted in terms of, I want to go to a place that I can be competitive. And he was willing to sacrifice some dollars today for future dollars in order to do that. Mm. What would, Do you think that there's going to be any adjustments uh, maybe in the next, you know, collective bargaining agreement or anything. Because, you know, you do get some people in baseball say, oh, well, they, they, they found a loophole in the system and this can be worked uh, by other players, not maybe in the exact situation, but similar situations. Do you, do you think that, that this, this, this is going to change anything about the way that deals are done, maybe not next year, but at any time in the future? It certainly sets a precedent that could get a little bit out of control. Let's look back at the draft as an example. In 2009, when I signed my draft contract, we had no slotting system. And the two years before I had signed, Rick Porcello had signed with the Tigers, and he had signed for, I think it was a little over $7 million on a major league contract. And essentially, teams were then exploiting over the next two to three years, it didn't really matter where you pick. If you kind of floated that, hey, we'll pay we'll pay the big number for the guy that's supposed to go in the top ten if you can push him all the way down to us, it started to set this precedent that, okay, well, then some of these teams that are picking ahead of you might not be able to get the guy. Now, look, free agency is a different animal than the draft, but I think that precedent was set, and now all of a sudden we have slotting. This precedent of you know massive, massive deferrals in the contract mm-hmm. has now been set. And I'm sure there's teams that are looking at this saying, I'm not real happy about it, or ownership groups saying, oh, that would be really interesting because I might not even own the team in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? I mean, I mean that's that's the wild part about this, is that... Well, you if have, you look at, you probably know this better than me, but if you look at the ownership groups across Major League Baseball, the average majority owner in baseball has to be 70-plus years old, 60-70-plus years old. So the reality is, if that family owns the team for the next decade, and then they want to sell it when they're paying out the $68 million, look, yeah, we can figure out the math on an M&A deal when somebody's buying it and they have these liabilities. But from the owner's perspective, they're kind of like, well, I, I could potentially win now and just defer, kick the can down the road in terms of paying them. I'll do that. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. I, and I didn't really even think about the, the age of the owners, but it only makes sense. All right, last thing, Jacob, is that we had talked about the player, and and you uh, you you were just a fraction off of of uh, striking him out, Shohei Tani, uh, but uh, but it didn't work out that way. Take us through the one memory because we have um, you know this great story, like a uh, guy locally for me, Pat Light played for the Red Sox for a, a, literally a minute. And he struck out Mike Trout, and it's on his Twitter bio. But um, you had a lot of great moments. 
Um, but you did face Otani one time. Take, can you take us through that? Yeah, so I was at Angel Stadium, and I can remember the scouting report pregame. And it, the scouting report was make sure we, we throw him in because if he gets his hands extended, he's really dangerous. And I go out there in the first inning. I already given up two runs. I think we had two guys on base. I really needed to get him out. I fall behind in the count, and I just remember throwing the pitch and thinking that his hands are definitely going to extend it on that. <laughs> and I think he took me like 420 feet opposite way for a home run. So I like to say, like, I was part of helping get him the $700 million <laughs> deal, a very, a very small part. And somebody texted me about this recently, and they were like, do you think they put that in the pitch book that they gave to the Dodgers that he had a home run off you? And I said, I I doubt that that was a video that made it in there, but but it could have. I, I like it. I th- I feel like there's there should be people along the way who gets cuts from this seven hundred million. Like you know, I just got off the phone with Joe Joe Kelly, and I said, "Has has Otani offered you anything yet for the number?" He's like, "No." I'm like, "He's got to. He's got to." So I don't know. Um, I agree. I, I saw that he was giving up the number, and I was thinking. Um, He's got to be getting, like, a nice watch or something for that. Oh, well, when he came on our podcast, and initially, this was three weeks ago, he said he was wanted either a nice car or one-eighth of his contractor's bill of his new house. But I think that he's he's playing nice right now. He's, he's His wife is getting a lot of Instagram followers from Japan. That's the payoff. So there you, there go. you go. There uh, you go. All right, well, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.